Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? It is, and it's telling me that in 41 years, they're going to let Velma be gay. Hell yeah. To listen to the show, find us on com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And we'd just like to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular patrons, Bo, Carl, Eric, Katie, and Jason. Velma's gay. Velma's gay. <laughs> the timestamp that you have for that. And actually, I feel like that there's a pretty quick this one will be out the mm-hmm. week after we record, right? So yeah, it won't be like super it'll still old be news relevant. or anything. Yeah, this will be relevant. I'm sure there will be people on the internet that are still very mad about it. So <laughs> get <you know>. over it. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be clear, just you know, just so no one's listening is sort of like, um, oh, but actually, actually, like it's. I think it's more like it's just the explicitness of it because it's been. It's been accepted as fan canon for a long time. Yeah, well, more than fan canon, though. like, Like, implied and, like... Mystery Mystery Inc., I think, is the most explicit it ever got, and it wasn't that explicit. It was more like, if you watch the show, it's sort of like, at the end of it, it's like, oh, those two are definitely girlfriends, right? It's like, oh, like, there's, like, tension, but it couldn't be anything. And then the end of it, it's sort of like, oh, they seem like they're definitely girlfriends. And the creators are sort of like, no, yeah, that's that that's 100% what it is. But that's still not someone on the show actually, like, yeah. literally still saying that they're like, crushing on. Like, that's not Velma crushing on another subtext. one. Yeah, technically, it's, 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 it's an as expli- close it's, to textual as you can get. Yeah, especially, you know, and it was 2009. I think if that show happened now, I think that it probably would have actually been more explicit, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I see it being more explicit in the movies. Yeah. I and love James this- Gunn, <laughs> you know, acknowledged what we all knew as yeah, well. For sure. I love that this is. <laughs> We're starting this podcast. Welcome to the Spider Man podcast. <laughs> Spider Man. Hey, you Where know Velma's gay. Look, it's fine. It has nothing to do with this episode, but you know what? There's not really a lot happening. There's not really a lot in this episode. No, really. <laughs> it's relatively thin um, compared to some of the episodes we've talked about. But I will say, I also like it a lot more than several sure. of the episodes we've recently talked about in this very series. I think this episode, more than any other one, it's very apparent how slow the pace of this show is like yes. lots of quiet and you notice how i sort of performed mm-hmm. how i was feeling with how long it took to say that very it's good just, would you have like you. experience in theater or something listen to this podcast you would have never <laughs> have guessed that um but 
like if you watch it, I just I I mean I noticed it more than any other episode where it's just so many long pauses or a character reacting silent like quiet moments where a character silently reacts and it's just standing there face still and then they make one facial expression to move it like closing their eyes and then opening them again and then looking and then walking off screen and then there's a beat and then it cuts away like there's so much of it like that and i feel like the whole show is kind of like that this episode just sort of doubles down on well, those quiet moments and i don't think that it's it doesn't this episode i it's not bad i don't think it like ruins this episode or anything it's just like i noticed it way more in this episode than i ever noticed in any other in any other episode that we watched so far okay but do you know why you noticed it it's because they didn't find all of those slow quiet moments and just shove a random beat in for no reason you know what that's i mean that's fair that is so fair like, that's fair. It's, it's sort of a weird, like, which would you prefer? Would you rather more stuff happening that makes it less coherent or less stuff happening that makes it more coherent? Mm-hmm. I would That's argue fair. this is a far more coherent episode than, yeah. like, the Sandman episode. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no subplot and there's less music, too. Like, it's just quieter yep. in general. They have that... Yeah awful like old wood flute circus music happening in the background Mm -hmm. for most of it and when that's not playing they're not really playing the blaring score that they normally have at every second (laughs) yeah yeah, Um, yeah. and this one is very much a reference to like old early couple years comics so i I very much dig that so sure there's good stuff to dig in to this episode if you do want to watch along with us you can do that on disney plus whole series is on disney plus it is this episode we're talking about of the 1981 Spider-Man show season one, episode nine entitled Carnival of Crime. The synopsis per Disney plus is the circus comes and the ringmaster uses gas to rob banks and frame Spider-Man. Yeah. Short and sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Original air date was November 7th, 1981. Yeah. The major character here is the ringmaster and his crew. Honestly, if I had known this was a Ringmaster episode, I don't think I would have been as worried as I was at the end of last episode, where I was like, a carnival could be weird, right? Like, just depending on who's making it and when. Um, mm-hmm. But Ringmaster is an established villain. I don't know how deep into anything Ringmaster got, but he was a guy that showed up several times in the early comics. So, like, I know this guy. This isn't, you sure. know, this is this is an adaptation. So, uh, this version of the Ringmaster is voiced by Regis Cordic. Uh, Believe it or not, he was a radio guy who got into television voice acting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He was among the voice cast for the 70s Hanna-Barbera series CB Bears, which featured several segments, including Sheriff Impossible, Undercover Elephant, Shake, Rattle, and Roll, Hey, It's the King, and Blast Off Buzzard. All cartoons I don't know anything about, but I'm not deeply entrenched in Hanna-Barbera stuff. You've never heard Um, Hey, It's the King? (laughs) Everyone's favorite, right? Yeah, everyone's favorite, yeah. Um... (laughs) I thought I knew Shake, Rattle, and Roll. I was like, ooh, I do know one of these. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, wait, no, I do not. <laughs> it's apparently about three ghosts named Shake, Rattle, and Roll. What? Yeah. What a terrible name for a show about ghosts. Like, I know. I, that's awful. You would never get that. <laughs> Undercover Elephant, on the other hand, I feel Sounds like I know dope. exactly what I'm getting into. I can already see some of the jokes they make. I'm sure yeah. he breaks stuff by accident while he's trying because he's mm-hmm. too big for the room. And I'm sure it's yeah. often very funny. So uh, That one sounds like the winner to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cordic also made a single appearance in the 70s live-action Incredible Hulk series. It's just fun to call out other Marvel stuff. And he voiced several, or maybe all? I don't know Transformers very well. Of the Quintessens in the original Transformers cartoon. It sounds like they are a species or a race of peoples or something. 
there were different ones with different names and he voiced many of them. So Mm. feel free to let me know. I don't know Transformers. (laughs) (laughs) If it's not like Starscream or like the Beast Wars characters, I don't know who you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a a huge G1 Transformers guy, so I can't tell you. I know the big ones that have carried through and that's about it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of our main guy. I don't actually know if any of his crew talk outside of like grunting. So, you know, they don't, they don't really feature too much here. Yeah, for sure. So let's dive into this one for a second. I thought we hadn't talked about Aunt May, but then I'm glad I checked back and she's the same voice uh, actor who did black cat. So we have talked about Aunt May. I think she just or- talks more in this episode than most other episodes. Yeah, I mean, she's in it a lot. <laughs> she is in it a lot. Yeah, so. she she talks. I think Betty gets like three lines in this, and yeah. May is just like a just talking constantly. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty cool. This episode opens with a news report of an alleged Spider-Man crime spree, and Spider-Man is fully aware of the accusations. This is something that has apparently been going on prior to this episode starting. So Peter's like, "Hey, um, I need to fix this." Suits up in his bedroom and is like, "I got to go figure out a way to prove my innocence." Very classic Spidey yeah. scenario. However, before he can leave the house, Aunt May reminds him that they are going to the carnival together. And there's also this funny moment where she nearly catches him in the Spider-Man suit. So he jumps in the closet so he can change without her seeing him. And she says, what are you doing in the closet, dear? Which makes me think that Aunt May is an ally. <laughs> I love it. I love dear, it. get out of the closet. You don't belong yeah. in there. But then when, you know, when, when, uh, when Peter's like, oh, I'm just fixing the light, Aunt May, her reaction is so weird. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, oh I don't, my she's God, just what is that noise? I don't know what she was, what that was meant was to so be. It was so weird. So weird. So strange. No. I'll, so I'll clip that. I'll clip that and put Please. it on social media. That entire, from, from what are you doing in the closet through, oh, no, 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 whatever it was. Like, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Bizarre. I love it. But I like that this episode kind of starts like Invidious Rest kind of a little bit. A like, little bit. Like, in like a weird way, yeah. Yeah, like I feel like you would have expected them to have one scene. Well, I guess no. It makes sense because they couldn't, if they want to keep it hidden exactly who's impersonating right. Spider-Man, it's not someone in a Spider-Man costume, so they can't show the robberies happening. So it's actually kind of a smart way to handle this situation. Right. It's the type of thing you could have done with a chameleon or a Mysterio or something, but that it doesn't. the mechanic is different here. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i like that it's a, it's a clever clever workaround for that mm-hmm. so oh boy you mentioned mortimer uh, a couple weeks ago i think and mortimer we do get so at the daily bugle jonah assigns his shit-stained nephew mortimer to cover a transfer of gold to the federal bank in uh, downtown new york they discuss spidey's recent crime spree basically to say look out you might run into spidey and Mortimer's like, don't worry about me, uncle. I'll be ready for him. There has truly never been a worse character I've ever seen in a Spider-Man cartoon. He's just... He's all he's time. Not, he's not funny. He's annoying. He's like a gross person. Like everything he says is is disgusting. It's like the nepotism thing. Like the only reason he's there. There's like yeah. no redeeming qualities 
in universe or out of universe whatsoever. Like he's not an, ex- right. as far as I know, never been a pre existing character. There's no reason to include him. They just really felt like they had to have Jonah's annoying nephew be there. And it's not even like he's a kid sidekick thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I cannot see how this character is appealing to anyone. And it's not like, like he never really gets his comeuppance either. Like, right. That's the thing that drives me nuts. It's not even like a Jeff scenario where at least Spider Woman, the show, is constantly dunking on Jeff. You know, yeah. So we can kind of be there along for the ride to be like, yeah, he does fucking suck. This show mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be that interested in dunking on Mortimer. They just present him as this guy sucks, and that's it. Yeah, it's really fr- like even you know there because I feel like there were opportunities at the end of this for him to get some comeuppance, and it's just sort of like, well, you were wrong, Mortimer, and he's like, oh no, but I thought I was right, and that's it. It's like no, I want to see this guy get a pie in the yeah. face at the bare minimum. Like yeah. you're at a carnival episode man yep (laughs) like get messy like i don't know i know it's It's weird weird. that he never actually intersects with that story at all it's very weird it's very weird who needed a mortimer b plot no one right and it's barely there it's he barely does anything other than be annoying a little bit Mm -hmm. for a few for a few scenes and that's it yeah very strange (sighs) very strange yeah well, speaking of that carnival, uh, May, Peter, and Betty are all yeah. there together. They're all it's 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 a fun little trio. I like it. Mm-hmm. But they're there. They ride a roller coaster. Much to Peter's concern, he's he's worried about it, and he's like, it, it seems like oh he's worried for Aunt May, but it's like oh no, he's also kind of scared for himself too. Like it's a little bit of both. Yep. And we see, yeah, the entire everyone on the roller coaster, every single person, including including this like long haired bearded guy, like behind them, you mm-hmm. see his beard just blowing in the wind while they're on the roller coaster i love that every single person hates this roller coaster like once they get off and just puke except for aunt may who is so gung-ho about this stuff i love how much she loves thrill rides it's so funny yeah because this is a thing that that is in amazing friends too right where they go to like a carnival or a circus or something yeah i think so like they go somewhere and she like rides rides and stuff. I think in that one she ends up like dizzy and passing out or something, mm-hmm. but she's still like stoked to do it. Yeah, it's so fun. She's so excited. She's like, "No, oh, let's get in the front seat." Oh, yay, woo. Yeah. And then it's like, "That was great. I want to go again." I just I love that like because most of the time this Aunt May is the kind of stereotypical annoying Aunt May that it's just like very doting and frail and everything. And I love that there's this little added dimension of like cool old lady to her mm-hmm. like that you, you know, I, you would never expect from this Aunt May. And I think the the contrast makes it all even funnier and more endearing. Yeah, there are two bits of like coaster trivia that make this scene especially funny to me. Okay. One is that this is a wooden co- in the show. It's a wooden coaster with a full yeah. loop inversion, which oh. fully does not exist for like another twenty years. Like that's not yeah. a thing anybody did or was doing. Sure. It wasn't until like the mid two thousands when like Son of Beast, I think at like Kings Dominion or something, did it. And that then, wasn't Kings Dominion. I know Kings Dominion very well, but probably well, one which of the Cedar one, Park I don't remember ones. which one was it. It was probably a Cedar Parks one. I I just don't remember which one it was, but I know it was sure. Son of Beast for sure. Um and. Uh, and that roller coaster didn't exist for very long uh, because it, it ended up being like structurally sure. uh, sort of dangerous and injured a bunch of people. So it's like sure, it ends yeah. up being perfectly like acceptable that everyone on this ride ends up like totally hating it, nauseous and in pain. <laughs> yeah, That's so fun. That's such a good pull. I didn't think about that, though. I it's I haven't been to 
a theme park in in quite a while now but i mean growing up like i live near king's dominion so i went pretty frequently and like i love the wooden king's island sorry oh king's island okay but i think that's that that's that was owned by like yeah it's in ohio and it's a cedar cedar fair yeah yeah but like i mean the wooden roller coasters i used to love them even more than the you know the 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 ones that would go upside down and stuff, I think because you could ride it and you would see the coaster like the structure of it like shaking while you mm-hmm. were on it, and it's like the that like fear is like so cool when you're you know in thrill mode, right? Like it feels so much more dangerous to consider going upside down yeah. <laughs> on a coaster like that. Yeah. I mean, one oh, of the man. things about wooden coasters is that they're sort of notorious for like shaking you up, right? Like mm-hmm. there was one at, at Cedar Point, uh, which is also another Cedar Fair, Ohio park, um, that was called the Mean Streak, uh, aptly named. Um, mm-hmm. And it just shook the shit out of you. And it just, it's so funny to me that this ends up being the type of coaster they represent and one that is... Uh, it has like a full loop inversion. Like it's just, it cracks me up. And of course, yeah. Aunt May is like, like you said, just thrilled. Yeah. And also this carnival turns out to be at least partially evil. So like it works out in the end. Makes you sense. Know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they stop uh, nearby a Marvel at the Freaks tent, uh, which has a uh, posters of uh, several X-Men characters, which is kind of appropriate. Um, there's that. And there's also like caps uh, earlier. I think the opening shot is like ca- a Captain America balloon flies across the screen. So, Oh, I didn't I, uh, even notice that. How did I mm-hmm. miss that? It's at the, it's at the beginning and it's at the end too. Cause they reuse the same like establishing shot of the carnival. It's just, it's just real quick. You just see a balloon f- fly across and it's just got Captain America's face on it. So yeah, the uh, gotcha. the the little Marvel references are fun in this one. Um, and yeah, was, considering I mean, there are very few elsewhere in the series. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it is like it's mean, but also very funny that it's like X Men are represented at like the freak show at the carnival because yeah. it's like well, not great, but also makes sense in context yeah. of the universe, doesn't it? Pretty all star um, cast though. I think it's Nightcrawler, Storm, Colossus, <laughs> Wolverine, and Phoenix. <laughs> sure yeah the people that you would totally expect to be at a carnival freak show yeah yeah (laughs) phoenix the carnival freak literally just like a hot woman on fire (laughs) and storm just like a hot woman just a hot woman who flies (laughs) (laughs) nightcrawler nowadays just a hot guy who's blue honestly wolverine hot guy who's hairy and will kill you so you know colossus hot guy who's metal they're all just hot you know, people. The X-Men are very hot. I yeah. Mean, just I, I would have never argued with anybody who asserted that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But I mean, when you think about it, all of them. Remember the comic yeah. that reinvented Blob to be like super hot? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Everybody. Every X-Men's hot. Mm-hmm. So anyway... <laughs> Peter's spider sends tingles. Uh, he follows a couple of sp- suspicious characters into this closed tent and uh, slips away to investigate. And it works out perfectly because, you know, May saw that he did not like the roller coaster. And she's like, I love roller coasters. I'm going to go on the Ferris wheel. Peter, you're clearly like too weak and frail to deal with this. So you go off and do your own thing while I have fun. So he's like, all right, I'll use that excuse. <laughs> I love that she suggests it for the Ferris wheel, which is like, the like take a break ride for a lot of people right. as long as you're not like terrified of heights that's how little she thinks of peter <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's great <laughs> 
Well, in this closed-off tent, we see, before Peter, Spider-Man do, we see the two suspicious fellows doing acrobatics. We see an old-timey weightlifter. um, And we see a tightrope walker who shoots and ties his own rope and kind of looks like he's wearing sort of like a superhero villain-type suit. So he's kind of the first clue that something's actually amiss. Um, Mm -hmm. They are then joined by a man called the Ringmaster who says he'll pull off the crime of the century by using a hypnotic gas to frame Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, I I can't say I didn't see it coming by the <laughs> by this taking place of the circus, but it is the hypnotic gas aspect. I was like, okay, that we'll part I wasn't expecting. Goes. I mean, yeah. Ringmaster literally <laughs> has like a sort of hypnotic disc built into his hat that I believe is supposed to be what he uses. So it did throw me off that he uses like the hypnotic gas. So yeah, I was inter- yeah. interested to see how that would play out. Very weirdly, but we'll get to that. Uh, having suited up in, you know, hidden his civilian clothes in the elephant enclosure, put a pin in that, Spider-Man starts to investigate and immediately discovers the ringmaster just happening to monologue uh, and, uh, you know, about the whole plan. So he's like, all right, cool. Well, I know what's going on here. So he clashes with ringmaster's crew. Um, when he webs up the tightrope walker, uh, he foils the acrobats and he ties the hands of the weightlifter. That's when ringmaster uses a remote control to open the cages and set loose all the carnival's animals. Here's my question. How much power Uh does the ringmaster have over this carnival? Because when he did this, I'm like, Oh, so is this whole carnival just like a setup? Like he owns this whole thing. The whole carnival is evil. Maybe like it's a whole, it's just a whole ploy. It's part of his bigger, like criminal mastermind plan. But I don't think that's the case given that there are other workers there. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, honestly, I I hope, and I haven't looked, but I hope that they take the Ringmaster into, like, beyond the 60s at some point and have him actually have, like, his own fucked up evil carnival. Like, that would be sick. I would love that. I love um, that idea. Yeah. But as far as I know, Ringmaster is literally just, like, a hypnosis guy who, like, tricks crowds and like has his little crew like he just rolls with his crew as part of a carnival like so yeah i don't know the fact that he has he's able to like control all the cages to all the animal things i mean i guess wild i guess he owns the carnival like i don't know either that or i mean this operation maybe has just he he's been working at it so long that he's like secretly put in uh, i don't know devices or whatever to open all the cages like we don't know it's not answer it's not clear um, and why would we expect it to be clever clear? Yeah. But and he's just, been at it, it just, for a while. Like yeah. they, they said that Spider-Man's already been accused of three crimes. So he's done yeah. whatever he's going to do three times before. Yeah. It's just, it was just a wild thing to happen. Cause it's just like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's kind of a big deal to be able to remotely unleash every single circus animal across the entire carnival. Like yeah. that's a lot. And this carnival is like stacked with the animals. Like, yeah. There's a, a, every dangerous animal, and I'm sure they're all terribly mistreated there, especially given oh, how hungry they well, how very yeah. hungry they seem to be as soon as they leave the cages. So, yeah, <laughs> not great. I mean, I don't hate it as like the the sort of villain solution no. though, because I do love For when sure. Spider-Man is put in a position of like, shoot, I'm so close, I'm right in front of the villain, I could stop him right now. Except now there's a bunch of people in danger. So from that perspective, yeah. I like it. It is just. It's a very weird direction for it to go. <laughs> I mean, it is. But there's animals. Though. I don't hate when he has to yeah. like 
confront animals for some reason and he doesn't punch any of them in the face in this right. one so i approve <laughs> yeah no i and i wouldn't say that it's necessarily well, even weird because this is an episode that takes place at a carnival so like i do think true. that i would want them to take advantage of the carnival setting and that is a staple of an old school circus or carnival is having yeah. animals right so i guess I think yeah that makes sense more accurately it is much earlier than i expected something yeah. this big to happen yeah, because this is like an all-out assault on the carnival itself. <laughs> it really is. Like, everyone's running, diving behind, like, carnival game booths, like, jumping into whatever trailer they can find. Like, it's a shit show. As <laughs> yeah, it would be. Pretty wild. There's a the, the lion that's literally drooling as it, like, corners <laughs> a guy. It's like, mm-hmm. good guy. This is um, a little brutal, actually. Right. <laughs> Man. But yeah, so I mean, obviously, you know, it, it, the choice of stopping Ringmaster or letting the animals like maul and eat every carnival attendant, like obviously Spider-Man is going to make the objectively right choice and save everybody else. So um, he goes after, you know, the rampaging animals, Betty and Aunt May are people being cornered. So, you know, he tries to save, he, he's able to save them as well. Um, lions, tigers, jaguars, and crocodiles. Oh my. Just every. quite up the same ring. No, no bears. It Rude. Yeah, you know, and that they are definitely a staple of like carnival stuff. So disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very silly. But they have very crocodiles, silly. which, you know, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like I do like the image of like all of those animals, like a bunch of like big cats and then a crocodile <laughs> alongside mm-hmm. them. Like I love that collection. It's it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's very like Jumanji Stampede, where it's like, I don't know why these animals are together, but they've all agreed that they're pissed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, we'll we'll work together on this. This is not natural, but we're going to work together on this on this front right now, is that we yeah. all hate humans, and they're not wrong, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. their lives kind of suck there, probably, so. Oh, I'm sure. This, <laughs> I know for certain, is at least one of the scenes you're referencing, that when you said, like, shit is just slow. Because, like, the animals, like, rolling up on people, Betty and May being cornered on a crate. Mm. I mean, I swear there were, like, five commercial breaks spanning them being on the crate. Like, it took forever for anything to happen when they were cornered. They they repeat the same um, stuff too. Like they repeat the same footage. Like when it like and and you know it's not it's not abnormal. Like it's actually pretty common. I think especially you know during this time where you know you cut to a commercial break. Then when you come back from commercial break, you replay the last few seconds. But it's not just the last few seconds they replay. They like replay an entire scene of like Aunt May and Petty running to the crate, and then you see the animals see them and then start cornering them and continue cornering them. And it's just sort of like oh, this is all what I literally just watched before the commercial break like at least a solid minute maybe more which is a Mm -hmm. lot of time to just watch uh, the same thing happen again when it wasn't really that much happening to begin with and there's kind of a lot of stuff like that in this episode yeah there really is yeah it's it's this it's a lot of i mean this is you know we've complained about kind of the show writing for like an 11 minute cartoon, but spreading it out to 24 minutes. And sometimes they do it by, you were mentioning just kind of adding in random stuff. This one, it's just sort of like if it, if they don't add in random stuff, it's just a lot of padding in that it's either repeating the same beats or letting the beats be stretched out just as long as possible. Um, yeah. 
and it's not it doesn't make the episode bad it doesn't like ruin the episode or anything uh it does i think hamper a little bit of the tension and does make it hard to hold my attention when watching it but Mm -hmm. at the very least it's like a new setting because it's a carnival and they're animals and stuff so like it's not like it's familiar territory yeah i mean it's new stuff it's stuff that we don't see necessarily all that frequently i like this setting I like the story fine, but I mean, there's multiple things that make an episode good, right? One of those yeah. things is a story. One of them is like pacing and editing. Sure. This, I think the story is fine, but the pacing and editing is just bad. So, yeah. And yeah, again, it's sure. like pick your poison. I think, I think, I think I would rather have this than like shooting Spider-Man into space um, and then doing yeah. nothing with it. Like, I think. Yeah. I think you know, so. I have, well, I, I think... It's hard to say. It's weird because it's like that the Magneto episode, for example, is boring because none of it matters or makes sense, but not in a fun. I don't know. That's it's almost hard to define. Yeah, payoffs is another thing, right? Like, yeah, the story overall. I mean, and the payoffs play into the story, but like you can have a story that makes sense and not necessarily have like big payoffs, right? It can be coherent, but not necessarily make you feel fulfilled or satisfied. Um that one has none of the above. I mean, Magneto yeah. one has none of the above. This one at least is coherent. Yeah. Um, and I guess there's like some payoffs here and there, you know, as yeah. far as how they start the episode and where certain jokes and stuff go. But the pacing is just so bad because they just draw out scenes like this for so, so long. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Betty and Aunt May don't get eaten by animals. They uh, what? Are, are saved by we Spider-Man. We watched a different episode. Oh, that one would have definitely been interesting <laughs> to see what they how they where they would have went with that. And then yeah. it turns out they were actually robots, so it's fine. Um, so oh, Spider Man saves them. Uh, you know, it's, you <laughs> his solution's also really funny because the solution is just like, oh, of course, I'll just use all animals' one weakness, water. So he pulls out a fire hose and just shoots them with the hose and soaks every animal and all of them are like ew i don't like this i'm all wet and they just willingly return back to their individual cages that fully is their reaction it's not like they're pissed it's not like they're scared it's like they're disgusted that he would even dare like ew (laughs) do you know how long it's gonna take me to dry off stop it like that's truly how they're acting What's funny, though, two things are very funny to me about the water thing, because the first thing is that at first I was like, oh, that's actually a funny joke because it's like a thing that cats don't like water. So it's like, oh, right. they're all that's jungle cats, was... big cats. He made them wet. And it's like, that's that's the joke. But then he does the same thing to a gorilla, which like, yeah, <laughs> and the gorilla. Has yeah, the same I thought reaction it was going to be like, like, OK, uh... this is my solution only for the cats. Yeah. And then I was like, wait a second. Like, after the gorilla, he's not going to shoot the crocodiles with water, is he? That's not going to make any sense. They just don't even acknowledge that there were crocodiles there, I don't think. (laughs) Like at this portion yeah. of the episode, they're still just <laughs> roaming around the carnival, Probably. just chilling with people. They're playing yeah, the carnival games now, hanging out under trailers and train cars until someone walks by. Yep, yep. Uh, very silly. I found it funny, not necessarily for the right reasons, but I, it was funny just how silly that that solution was. Um, I find it funny that the carnival just resumes as if nothing happened. Like every it's animal so goes back good. to its cage, and everyone just like pokes their head out and they're like oh um all right like turn the rides back on like it is so funny it's to me so funny because it's barely a beat after yeah. after the animals go in their cage yeah it is literally it's literally a dude pokes his head out of a barrel and he's like everything's fine folks and then it's like the mm-hmm. next shot is like people playing games yeah. and the music playing again 
And you know what? I can hear somebody out there being like, you two have complained that they don't acknowledge these like big traumatic events. This is different because they do acknowledge how ridiculous this is. And the solution is like totally solved. And it's like smaller scale. Like the world was not threatened here. The status quo has not changed. Uh, So this to me is like humor. Whereas like the other episodes where we complain about no one acknowledging like Dr. Doom's taking over the world. Like, that, they're not doing that to be funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is also, just hilarious. <laughs> there's a lot of humor in like what's almost a jump cut from one thing to the other. Like, <laughs> we're in terror. Oh, everything's fine. We're playing games now. Yeah. Like, I love how immediate the immediacy I, <laughs> of it is very funny. I also love that the carnival feels entirely empty while Spider-Man is like fighting these animals or I'm like soaking these animals. Again, he doesn't actually fight any of them, which I appreciate. Thankfully, um, yeah. So it feels like everyone's run away. So when the carnival just resumes, it cracks me up that everybody, like, you're looking at an empty game booth, and then, like, 12 people's heads pop up. And you're like, oh, my God, they were there the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) It's very funny. That just got me in a very specific way. No, it's very funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, remember that super cool B-plot featuring that super cool character, Mortimer? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wait, no, we didn't... uh... Before we do that, we didn't even mention the elephant almost eating Peter's clothes. That's a very oh, yeah. important plot point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Not at all. It's, That's it's, a- it's, it's probably the most this show thing that this episode does, where it's like, here's yeah. just a thing that's happening that doesn't actually matter. Like, I thought it was going to be yeah. a new problem. I thought, like, then he was going to, like, not have civilian clothes, and that was sure. going to be a problem he had to solve. That would have been no. funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's well, and it's another thing too, where that was another one where I noticed, like, oh my god, this is going on for so long. Like that that elephant just picks up his clothes and is just like looking at it. And it's just like, mm-hmm. just eat it or don't, guy. Just 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 eat yeah. it or don't. I don't I don't care. Um, <laughs> they cut back and, and forth between the elephant and Spider Man so many times. Yeah, and it's like all he does is just web his clothes out of the elephant's trunk, yeah. which I would have expected him to do. So that didn't have to take like forty five seconds. It's like, come on, get get yeah. to it. It's fine. It would be really funny to like reanimate one of like an episode like this that has these sort of like weird drawn out moments that aren't drawn out purposefully outside of just making sure the episode fits its time, but reanimating in a way that is specifically meant to build unnecessary tension, that sort of like cringe tension, you know what I mean? That like Mm -hmm. many adult cartoon shows or like absurdist animation has. That would be very funny to me. Imagine this scene where, like, the elephant and Spider-Man are, like, having a stare down because the elephant's, like, on the verge of eating his clothes. That could actually (laughs) be funny. They just don't do anything with it here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) I like the idea of 1981 reanimated as an absurdist cartoon. Yeah. I mean, it sounds a lot of, like, early – that sounds like early YouTube, like, poop type stuff, actually. So, (laughs) actually, kind of not – maybe it's – it might have already happened, Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we've we've procrastinated and been going back to Mortimer for long enough. Yeah. Guess we let's have do to. it. Let's do it. So at the Federal Bank, this absolute dumb fuck named Mormor Mormor prepares his. Right after I call him an idiot, I can't pronounce his name. Mortimer prepares name pronounced right. Yeah. Mortimer prepares his camera, but feeds his necktie into the film compartment somehow, which fucks up his camera because then he has to open it and the film is ruined. So he doesn't end up with a camera available to him when the actual event of the gold delivery happens. And by the way, the reason this is such a big deal is because it's a hundred million dollars in gold bars. Um, So I guess that's 
big. I don't know how these things actually work. I'm guessing not in the middle of the day out in the open, but sure. sure. Um, and so he, he misses the delivery and also then misses when Ringmaster and his gang come by to actually steal the gold. And they do this very easily. They make an absolute like fool of this randomly Irish police sergeant that it was like, like a thing. That was a weird. That was like that's like a. It's a stereotype. Like a stereotype. Yeah. It's a stereotype, and it's. I mean, it comes from somewhere. Like my grand, my hundred percent Irish grandpa was literally a cop, and so was like his, uh, like ma, like his, like so many members of my family on my fully Irish side were mm. cops. But it's so funny to me that like this nineteen eighty one cartoon is like leaning into this weird like. 20s 30s 40s stereotype of like the irish cop it's It's like i feel like you're a little behind on this one because it happens next week too (laughs) yeah yeah well it's it's, it's weird though because that's it's the kind of thing that has come up that will that still came up in cartoons up through the 90s but i think by the 90s it was a parody like uh was it uh i don't know like powerpuff girls or something like that a cartoon network show or something one of those shows i think it might have been powerpuff girls i remember there being like an Irish cop character or something like that. And it's like very clearly like making fun of yeah. the classic Irish thing. So it's like, it was a thing that, that persisted for a while. And actually, no, there was a justice league episode that made a joke about that too. I think, um, but those but, are clearly making a joke about right, that right. stereotypical character. Right. This just feels like, I guess he's Irish, right? <laughs> like, what? Cause it's not right. like he's saying anything funny. I mean, I guess maybe, the fact that they are bumbling idiots in this moment maybe is oh, part of maybe. part of it, but I don't feel like they really focus on that. It's more just like yeah. how this cartoon does action, right? Either it draws it out and it's like not fun, or it's like instantaneous. This is like Ringmaster swoops in. It is instantaneous that they grab the gold and like net up the police, um, yeah. and that's kind of it. Like they, it's not like a slapstick moment. Yeah, what I think is so funny about how all this goes down is like. The way the hypnocast works is so bizarre because my assumption would have been if it's hypnogas, then they arrive on the scene, throw out the hypnogas, everyone is hypnotized, they steal the gold, and then, you know, the ringmaster's like, it was Spider-Man or something like that. Or he says yeah. ahead of time it was Spider-Man. The way right, it works. Because no one knows he's a villain, right? Right, right. Um, or, or, you know, he hypnotizes them up front when he throws the gas, like Spider-Man is doing this or something like that, puts them in a trance, whatever. No, the way it works is like totally backwards and bizarre because the way it works is that the hypno gas doesn't come into play until very late in the game. They all show up. The ringmaster and his crew shows up. They steal the gold. They have one guy, one of those, uh, is, it the, is it an acrobat, one of the trapeze guys or something? I think that like has a sort of fake, like makeshift spider web type mechanism that just shoots out rope instead of webs, but out of his wrists like Spider-Man. So he's pretending to be Spider-Man stealing the gold, except they haven't been hypnotized at this point. There's no gas involved. No trance has been involved. They're all just seeing these circus folk steal gold Mm -hmm. and a guy being like pretending to be Spider-Man, even call it out as like, throw out the spider line. And then like kind of, he's not wearing like a spider costume. Right. And there's still like, he's the only, <laughs> he's the only one doing Spider-Man things. Right. The ringmaster is still there being ringmaster. Everyone else is still doing their own thing. Like he's the only one being Spider-Man. And then after all that happens, everyone, after everyone there, uh, including Mortimer has witnessed this happening. Then he says, now I'm going to throw out my hypno gas to make you think what you just saw was Spider-Man, which you'd think that tell is going to kind of like, 
to make them immune to the hypnotism, <laughs> you think? But wait, he, then wait. he throws out the gas, and then they are just like, yeah, I guess that was Spider-Man all along. Okay, I know you're making a point about the gas, and I totally agree with it, but when you pointed out that it was just the one guy who was sort of imitating Spider-Man, it hit me that each one of this guy's, like, crew... Mm-hmm. arguably like has one of spider-man's powers super That's strength acrobatics and like the the tightrope line right so like oh, he's yeah, committed okay. three crimes before that's how they could have built up the framing like each crime could have been pulled off with one of spider-man's powers Ooh. and like if they were even just sort of remotely disguised but never caught that could be how spider-man was framed yeah. one They're because like, oh, he was only... using super strength one yeah. because he was doing acrobatic stuff and one because he escaped on a line like that's a story that writes itself oh that's so genius yeah and then it's sort of like well it had to be spider-man right like who else could do this but Spider-Man? who else could do those things yeah, yeah. oh what a missed opportunity wow this episode just got so I much mean, worse like no i mean i get it though because like that. they just ripped the characters from the comic and the comic didn't do that i mean the comic just as i mean if this episode's guilty of it so is the comic that introduced this crew right um, Fair, so I get sure. why the cartoon wasn't thinking of doing that, but like, what a missed opportunity with this crew. I was thinking about it. And, and as I was like, I don't know if we really ever see this crew very much later down the road. Like that could be how, like that could have, that could have been what made them sort of like a really compelling group is like this sort of segmented, um, sort of, um, uh, like delegated by powers impersonation of Spider-Man. That would have been really fun. Ah. Oh. And that would have made them like distinct from like the enforcers, you know what I mean? Yeah. As just like yeah. a a supervillain crew. Hmm. Damn. Oh, I'm kind of bummed. That would have been such a yeah. clever because as it stands, like the whole process of the hypnotism is just very silly. And like this is the only one that we see, and and we don't really I mean, we just really don't see them do that much <laughs> generally. Like yeah. Well, and he doesn't this, in this version. He doesn't ever hypnotize Spider-Man. Like it's not like his hypnotism really doesn't factor in that much, um, mm-hmm. outside of just being able to like say Spider-Man did it right. Um, I yeah. think this is maybe the comic that like Daredevil's a part of, and they clearly were not allowed, I guess, or were not interested in like using sure. other Marvel characters, which is a bummer. So I can see mm-hmm. where some of that stuff falls apart. But damn, ah, oh, what an opportunity that could have been. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks that Spider-Man just did all of that, basically, is 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 uh, where mm-hmm. we're at at this point. Including Mortimer. Oh, who could forget? So, back at the carnival, Peter overhears a radio news report claiming that Spider-Man has pulled off a fourth crime, and that this one is the uh, theft of $100 million in gold. Uh, so he's like, wait a second, what the fuck? I've been here the whole time. How could I even do that? So he slips off to investigate... Um, and the way that he does this is by buying Betty and Aunt May 50 games of darts. And I guess, like, they're that's just meant to keep them occupied. Betty said, like, let's play yeah. darts. And I guess maybe that's, like, her vice. If if I buy her 50, she won't be able to leave until she finishes. Who knows? Yeah. There's also a really weird not I I'm not gonna this will be probably the last time that I dwell on like the pacing thing, but it's like a it's it's a weird pacing thing and a weird editing thing. Cause when they're at the dart table and Aunt May's, you know, ta- they're talking about Spider Man. I think Aunt May says, like, oh, he's just doing something bad as usual, referring to yep. Spider Man. And so she says that line, there's this like it's quiet and there's like silence and nobody does anything, and then there's a slow pan away from them across the carnival like to another tent and then it just jump cuts like awkwardly right back to them 
like and then they just talk again like they it like it was like they reused i guess a shot of that pan over just to mm-hmm. fill out time i guess because they didn't want to just hold on the characters standing still which understandable but it just it, it was just such an awkward like noticeable cut like it was almost kind of unsettling seeing it you know yeah it's the kind of thing that could have made sense because the next beat does take place in the tent but it's not like they were trying to do hey hey audience like here's where we're going next let's like guide your eye or whatever like it wasn't that it was literally just like reusing like you said reusing something to fill some time yeah yeah so in that nearby tent, in Ringmaster's tent, you know, the one that he just fought Spider-Man in, so Spider-Man knows he hangs out there, um, yeah. the Ringmaster and his crew are, this is puzzling beyond my comprehension. Uh-huh. Turning the $100 million worth of gold bars into a cage that they then put a gorilla named Gorgon, son of Kong, into? Like, I thought... I thought this was going to be a way for him to transport the gold undetected. Sure. But jumping ahead, right. But jumping ahead, one, he doesn't do that. And two, Ringmaster's ultimate goal is just to sell the gold for cash. So like, this is so weird to me. I was so intrigued when they were turning it into like these weird long bars. I was like, what are they doing with that? Is he building some sort of weird like weapon or hypnosis device or like, Mm -hmm. what is he doing? And then literally the strong man just starts like, building a cage <laughs> yeah like, this is so weird. weird i mean and then I, I, I was guess, like, like are they gonna do some weird sci-fi thing where like gold conducts a certain like frequency <laughs> or what like i was wow, overthinking, overthinking it, beyond. it. <laughs> well because i mean like it's such a bizarre unexpected thing for them to do with sure. fucking gold <laughs> i think you could assume that they were trying to hide it for the time being until the heat was off and then they would eventually then then they would turn around and sell it for cash right like there's nothing that necessarily negates negates i mean that being the case yeah it's really the only the only explanation for it the the only weird thing is that they like explicitly take this gorilla from another cage and put it into this cage and i i guess the idea this is a little bit results oriented though i think they're kind of getting their causation out of whack here like Mm -hmm. it seems like they do it so that they can put this gorilla and spider-man in a cage together but they don't know spider-man's coming for them (laughs) it they they for some reason we're already putting the gorilla in there i guess so that it's not just an empty cage but what a Mm. wild thing very i wish they would have just acknowledged they were hiding it i wish they were just they would just acknowledge that's what they were doing (laughs) i think that would have really helped a lot because otherwise i'm just like did what did i miss did i miss something (laughs) (laughs) also i think we're just we're just gonna we're just gonna like breeze past son of con like okay i looked it up did you look it up no, I was I like, has this ever been referenced before? <laughs> no, it hasn't. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. I, I'm assuming that that this is j- my my take, my headcan is that just is just the ringmaster just making the gorilla sound cool. It's like that's gonna be a cool oh, name, yeah. Gorgon, son of Kong. It's just such a funny Which thing to exactly just casually what you throw would out. Do. Yeah. Yeah. It's fully what you would do with like a big sort of cool I mean, that's the reason King Kong was like sort of advertised like even in those stories as like this big sort of like attraction right you're not just going to call it like the big gorilla (laughs) it doesn't sound cool (laughs) sure sure but like son of kong specifically is just like so funny it's just like oh you're making a reference and you're making there's a story behind this gorilla that you're asserting right now (laughs) i like it it feels very carnival yeah it totally does yeah yeah 
Well, I mean, unsurprisingly, Spider-Man's like, I I think I have an, un, I have a, I can assume where the ringmaster is. So he goes there and he's at the tent and ringmaster, you know, just tricks Spider-Man into swinging into the Gorgon's new gold cage very easily. Then, you know, he just closes the cage on Spider-Man. So very easily beaten there, buddy. And Scorgon like tosses Spider-Man against the size, the side of the cage because Spider-Man's literally trapped in a cage with an angry gorilla uh but he notices the cage bar is beating beating uh bending oh my god bending at the impact i could not say those b words bending at the impact uh which i like this i love this like kind of actual like kind of i don't know if i'd call it scientific scientifically accurate or anything but like the acknowledgement that gold is a soft metal which is a true fact which yeah, means I that mean, spider-man can more e- more easily bend the bars to escape right not to be like a nitpicky nerd about it but when they were building a cage out of gold i was like this isn't a good idea like oh, sure. this isn't a good yeah. material to build a cage out of for this yeah. very reason so i mean this you know it's sort of a meta payoff but it is kind of a payoff so you, yeah, you feel sort sure. of validated if you were like this is a bad idea <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's like it's weird that it's sort of like oh you made gold bar cages the gold bar a gold bar cage just specifically for this reason so you can have spider-man escape the cage by bending the gold bars that's the only reason that that, that happened yeah Worked they a made backwards the cage the solution. so that he could escape the cage <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like i don't i mean not the best storytelling but you know what it's uh, it makes more sense than a lot of the other terrible solutions from past episodes so yeah it's better than well, what you've look, done before here's the thing i have complained frequently about them like half-assing the solutions to their episode problems the yeah. scale of this episode is so much smaller so if, sure. the, if the solution to this is literally just i'm strong enough to bend this cage and the ringmaster yeah. underestimated me it feels like adequate to the scale of the story they're telling <laughs> when it's I think like this i am yeah. stealing all of the world's satellites and the solution is like i took a class once on rewiring satellites like that's right. not that satisfying <laughs> i think this show should do more smaller scale stories oh, i think that the agree. show's so much better at it they're not good Strong at the world agree. ending stuff especially because you already have amazing friends happening at the same time with three superheroes two of which are mm-hmm. very powerful you can do all the crazy world ending space shit there you've got the crew there you don't really have the capacity to do stories like that on this show so don't do stuff like this Yes, I think this show's sort of identity should have been the smaller scale, single issue comic type stories that deal with like a villain of the week with like a wacky plan. Like that's yeah. what this should have been. Kind of like this sure. episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Better it's than like... this episode, hopefully, but this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think their absolutely. head and heart were in the right place with this one, at least as far mm-hmm. as what I think this, how this season, like this series could have stood out. I feel a spark of inspiration in this episode that I don't feel like I feel in a lot of other episodes of the show. I mean, this, this series might have benefited from literally just taking old issues of the comic and adapting them as straightforwardly as they were allowed to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that might have yeah. been... Uh, we talked about this as sort of like the straightforward Spider-Man show because it deals with some Spider-Man stuff and some Peter Parker drama and stuff like that, but maybe it needed to be even more literally that. Yeah, I mean, well, if you consider, like, I think it's wild to think about a time when there were a ton of Spider-Man stories that just simply 
weren't adapted into anything outside of the comics, you know? And I think it's wild to think that like in this time in 1981, which is like, you know, 20 years into, into the existence of Mm Spider-Man, not an insignificant amount of time, but there had only been, there hadn't been much Spider-Man content outside of the comics, right? Like there was a 67 show and the live action show, both of which took a lot of liberties. You know, this, I know the live action show is not close to the comics at all. The 67 show adapted some comics, uh, but not many of them and, and kind of went in his own direction. So there's an opportunity that the 81 show really had to just, yeah, adapt, issues of the comic that could have easily fit into the 81 vibe and work for an 81 cartoon and be the first to have ever done it. Like, and that could yeah. have been really cool to see that, you know? Um, and, and we instead, got they just that. Chose like, not to. this is the series that did the really bizarre lizard adaptation, right? Sure. And yeah. then we have this sort of like strange adaptation of this comic story. So like, it was clearly something that they had in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, they just needed to lean even harder into it. I mean, honestly, yeah. those stories are 20 years old. They could have made straight one-to-one adaptations of a lot of those stories, yeah. and I think it would have been fine. For real. For real. Anytime that they seem to want to do – like the Black Cat episode was kind of the same way too. Where I, I, I don't mm. think that was directly adapting an exact comic story, but definitely right. had some – closeness to the comic and how black cat was being portrayed in there i think at the time um you know yeah. for early appearances for her Smaller and i feel scale like too. yeah anytime the show does try to just do a small scale typical spidey supervillain story and just be like what if we just adapted them <laughs> like like how they were from the comics um those are good episodes like those are yeah. the good ones from this show you know, I agree. And, and, you know, normally I'm not someone who's like, you got to stick to the comics to make it good. But I think this show would have benefited if they just did that. Exactly. Well, there's a place for that. It's just not a prerequisite for like quality, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of sure. that because he bent some gold bars, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is sort of, I mean, we're, we're almost developing our like podcast thesis about this show as we like collect more like yeah. stories and information and like a bigger picture of what it was. So it makes sense to stop down every once in a while. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Well, anyway, he's, he's, he's bent these gold bars and escaped from this gold cage uh, because he knows it's a soft metal. And so now he's like, I got to find the ringmaster. Luckily the ringmaster stays pretty close. Like he's still on the, on the carnival grounds. He's just in a nearby train car with his crew, like closing the deal on selling this gold. So right as he closes, (laughs) I know, right. This guy actually sucks at like, (laughs) like adjusting. Like he's not good at the, uh, adapting to situations because like he doesn't change any of his plans. Once Spider-Man is around and he should change all of them. Once Spider-Man is around, you know what I mean? Yeah. For sure. Whatever. Whatever. You got to have a backup hideout, buddy. This is like classic, you know, villain 101. They find your hideout. Where are you going to go? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he closes the deal on his sale of gold. And right as he hangs the phone up, Spider-Man lifts the train car up and just dumps them into Gorgon's cage, which I guess he moved by himself out of the tent and into the open. I guess so. I guess so. Um, and this just effectively defeats the ringmaster and his crew. We don't see them at all anymore. They are just locked in the cage with Gorgon, and that is their comeuppance. Problem I mean, solved. <laughs> they're just dudes. What are they going to do? Yeah. Like, <laughs> And again, I'm not that mad at it because this fits the scope of everything. They're just stealing shit, and they're just fucking around at the carnival, you know? Yeah, right. It would be nice to... I don't, I don't know why I need to see, like... 
some sort of actual uh like comeuppance but i mean this fits this fits it's yeah, totally fine. fine and it, it's the, fine. it's exactly the thing he tried to do to spider-man so there is like that poetic sort of you know mm. uh table turn thing yeah you know who doesn't get any sort of poetic comeuppance whatsoever <laughs> who's that Back at the bugle, Mortimer's <laughs> there, and he's like getting praise from. I'm so glad you notated this because this is. I I was shocked how? when I heard this. How J. Jonah Jameson, his uncle, is congratulating him on a job well done for you know getting you know getting a getting the story on Spider Man's involvement with the bank heist, and Mortimer says, "Thank you, Uncle Jonas," and it's not like he's you know saying it quickly or like slurring his words or anything like that. It is 100% undeniably uncle Jonas with an S how, at the end. How did this get through? And this wasn't the first episode this character has appeared in ergo. The voice actor has definitely said Jonah before. So like, not that it's the voice actor's job to like give notes to the writers or whatever, but like sure. if that was just a typo in the script, someone somewhere would have noticed that. So yeah, it's I, I I'm honestly flummoxed as to like how 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 that makes it into the episode outside of like they just didn't catch him say it until he was already gone, but like. That's it's so weird. It's so weird. I'm glad you noticed it too. I don't know how you could not, yeah. but I'm glad I'm glad we both were equally yeah. appalled. <laughs> and if and if you're wondering, the subtitle still says Jonah, so the the subs are trying to cover for him, but he can't not hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Very strange. Very uh, strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um well despite despite that faux pas that is not commented on calling his own uncle the wrong name. Mortimer only barely gets slightly moderately scolded when Jonah gets like a phone call confirming like, what? It wasn't Spider-Man. It was a bunch of like uh, some carnival dudes. Oh no, Mortimer, you're wrong. And Mortimer's like, yeah. oh no, I was wrong. And that's it. <laughs> I'm like, Not even no, like a Jonah newspaper like upside the head or anything. In. Yeah. Jonah should be tearing into this guy's ass. Are you kidding me? Like, mm-hmm. yep. hate it. Worthless. Yep. Throw him out of a window, yeah. dude. Jesus. Sucks. <laughs> well we're at the end of the episode here we do end at the carnival uh where aunt may and betty i guess have made their way through their 50 games of darts um, and it turns out that aunt may has won a plush spider-man and they congratulate her on winning and uh and i think is it peter that says like you know where that should go or you know where that belongs or something like that and she says i know exactly where it belongs and oh, like oh throws yeah it in yeah the something like that yeah yeah, I'm like, no, May, at least give it to a kid at the carnival or something. Like, don't just waste that new toy. Come on. <laughs> nah, she said, fuck Spider-Man. <laughs> Rude. Yeah. Or just don't accept the prize. Just be like, oh, no, thanks. Yeah. But she wanted yeah. to dunk that fucker right in that garbage can. Yeah. Yeesh. <laughs> Yeesh. Uh. Well, we do have a couple faces here. I just really, really enjoyed Betty's scared face. That was just a weird sentence, but like just the way they draw her, like her eyes are popping. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's just like up against the wall. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) But it's like a very stark difference from like May's just sort of like typical like, oh, I'm an old lady. 
the Macaulay Culkin like face shock yeah. face basically that you know mm-hmm. you see in everything and Betty is just like no that's terror in her eyes yeah <laughs> it really is I mean honestly this might be the most appropriate like scared face we've seen in many maybe like any cartoon we've covered like it's sheer yeah. terror <laughs> yeah I mean fair those uh, lions tigers and leopards looked very hungry so mm-hmm. and crocodiles. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, I love the face that all the big cats make when they're dunked and soaked with all that water from Spider-Man. Because that's what we were talking about. It's not that they're angry. They're not scared. They're just like, why'd you have to go and do that? Right. Like, that's the face that they're making right now. It's like, it's bitch, so for real? Funny. Is that what it's we're doing? so funny. Man, you ruined it. We're going home. <laughs> perfectly the energy yeah yep yep yeah this episode was fine it has some it has some fun stuff in it i think the set i honestly think just the setting change and the villains that they used just were inspired enough that like it kind of makes up for you know the less good stuff and like the dreadfully slow pace and everything like it yeah it's it's still compelling just because it's sort of like well what are they going to do at the carnival like that's fun yeah i think the setting is nice i think the change in scope is correct um, mm-hmm. and I appreciate the fact that they are pulling from the comics in a series where they don't seem super duper interested in doing that. Maybe like, mm-hmm. uh, two out of three times, you know? So yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I appreciate it probably more than I enjoy it, but I'll take appreciation yeah. over the Magneto episode or the Sandman episode or the Dr. Doom episode. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That barely uh, counts as an episode of TV. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, episode yeah. is a, a generous term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to hear us talk about lots of things we appreciate, and occasionally something maybe we don't. I don't know. I feel like we always find something. I really feel like the uh, the Doctor Dooms uh, are pretty rare occurrences. Uh, we tend to find stuff so. to appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want more of us appreciating things, uh, and things that aren't even necessarily Spider-Man, uh, you can find like a hundred more episodes of us talking, uh, over on patreon.com slash walloping web snappers. So if you'd like to hear us talk, uh, you can get lots of that over there and most of it is accessible for just a buck a month and check out our discord. You can find a link in the show notes. Um, but if it's not there or it's not working, just let us know if you'd like to find me and Derek, uh, uh, individually you can do so all over the place derek where can people find you and the things you're working on sure you can find me on twitter at derek b gale you can also find my podcast gimmicks which looks at the high concept experimental structure breaking gimmicky episodes of television with a different show and different guests for every episode you can find that anywhere you get your podcasts and you can also follow it on twitter and instagram at gimmicks pod what about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also listen to me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast where I get together with friends and talk about Pokemon just as things are happening. And something is happening. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is like a month away. Oh um, so we are getting very excited for that. And if you like books and video games, you can listen to me on a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Katie and Vicky and I catch up on all the media we've been consuming lately. If you would like more from me and Derek, you can check out our monthly podcast, Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, where we watch every Pixar film chronologically, and we are rapidly running out of movies to cover as we uh, are gearing up to release our episode on Turning Red, which should be out in a couple days, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, I can't wait for that one. (laughs) Oh, I know, right? 
Visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com for a full archive of all of our Spider-Man and Pixar episodes. And follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod. You can also email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. And as always, please rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast platform you are listening to us on. Because if you like what we're doing, somebody else will too, and they just haven't found us yet. Next week, Green Goblin seeks revenge in... Revenge of the Green Goblin. Can you tell I ran out of ideas when writing the next week copy? For I that. like Just it. Like, well, I thought good. it was good. good. I'm glad you <laughs> liked it. See you then. See ya. Oh my god, do you hear that? I do hear that. We could we could pause for a what second. What is that? It's coming from the apartment above me. Oh Jesus. That's what are they doing? I I genuinely don't know what that could possibly be. Oh my god. That sounds like it's like like right next to you. It, that's it's so very close to me. What the fuck? <laughs>